I sure hope all of you had a wonderful weekend. I did. Um, the weather here has been great the last week or so. Um, temperatures in the like the mid 80s um, in the 90s. Uh, I'm talking about the weather because that's all that Joe Biden ever talked to the Ukrainian oligarchs about. So I thought that might be kind of fun to you know talk about the weather, you know, and what's going on here in Utah. Uh, but it was a good week. Just a little little jab there. Uh, it's been a good weekend, a wonderful weekend. Um, I did work Saturday, but it was light day. Got done quite kind of early. I was going to go see a movie. I was going to go see the Indiana Jones movie. But, you know, I went. I, I was looking for uh, times for it to play. It, it was playing at the theater that's just literally across the road from where I live. And um, it wasn't showing here. And then the, other, the only other one I really wanted to watch was Oppenheimer or Oppenheimer or whatever I ever say his name. And uh, it, knowing it's a three-hour movie, it was like it, the, the last showing was like 8.05 or something like that. So I would have been out till like 11 o'clock at night, and I really didn't do that. <clears throat> I didn't really want to do that, so um, I decided not to and just kind of hung in the house. Um, I had, as you know, I've, I've talked to you a couple of times before. I was, I'm learning, I'm trying to learn how to make a, a good sourdough bread, and um, I've done about three or four loaves now. <laughs> I know this is probably boring as hell, but uh, to me, it's kind of fun. Um, you know, something that I've always tried one to do I want to try to do it when I'm camping and and take my Dutch oven out and do it while I'm camping I'll have to do all the dough and everything uh, prior to that but um, but I'm really happy with the way that's been turning out um, and what I have what I have determined that there's two things that really determine that really make the bread really good and tasty and that is your starter is has to be really really good and it has to have the right consistency. Um, it can't be too watery and it can't be too thick. And it just has to be this kind of like this stringy kind of substance. Um, and then also how much you, what they call is laminating it. And that's called, that's the stretching of the dough. How many times you do that. And how and and how much you stretch it, and that really gives it the elasticity, and it also allows it to, according and what I've discovered, is that it allows it to rise a lot more, and um, and you get a good nice loaf when, oh, excuse me, uh, it uh, gives you a nice loaf and it rises really nice. So uh, over the weekend, I you know I cooked another loaf and it turned out really good. I was pretty happy with it. Um, and not only that, it tastes really good. And uh, so uh, I'm trying to make sure that the uh, I'm starting off with a good starter, which is what you really need. So I know it's kind of again, I know it's kind of boring, but yeah, that's what I kind of did this weekend. Of course, I went to church, uh, renewed my covenants there. I always love going to church. Uh, renews my spirit there. Um, we every month at the first Sunday of each month we have what we call our fast and testimony meetings, and what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to uh, you're supposed to fast, um, basically from dinner to dinner, and then you know the money that you would use for your meals for that time you you um, you donate that and. Uh, so it, today was fast and testimony meetings, and the testimonies that were that were uh, given were really good. Um, you know, I try to I, I try to do a little. I try to touch base with my 
four kids every every Sunday, and I drop them a little message of uh, faith and love, and and just try to stay in touch with them and make sure that I'm think that they know that I'm thinking about them as well. And I take the time to write my journal. Um, things happen during the week. Things I've learned, and uh, what's going on in the world. You know, if you don't uh, write that stuff down and um, you seem to forget it and, and it goes by its way. And, um, well, you know, it's just good to, to take the time to, to write, um, you know, what your thoughts are, um, you know, what's going on in the world. Um, someday, I guess the kids or grandkids or grand grandkids will have my journal and maybe they'll go back and be able to, <clears throat> you know, listen to these podcasts and see how much of a nut their, their grandfather, great grandfather was, uh, but anyway, um, it's uh, it's what I try to do each Sunday, and uh, and but the most important thing is to to have that reconnection with with God again each each week, and uh, basically recommit, you know, to keeping His commandments, being covenant, being a covenant person, and um, that's what I try to do. You know, I'm not perfect at it, but you know, I'm working at it every day, and uh, trying to be the best person I can possibly be, and and. Um, Church helps me to do that, and I, I, I see the statistics and the data that keeps, you know, keeps coming, you know, that we that we see all the time, and it's people are not going to church as much as they used to, which I think is, uh, you know, a good sign of what <clears throat> actually is happening in our country and around the world. Um, people are becoming less religious and more quote unquote spiritual, which I. I don't understand how the disconnect or how you can say that you're you're spiritual and you're not religious because and the way that I was growing up that you know your your body and your spirit make up your soul and the spirit is it comes from God it's um, and the way that the spiritual side of you is fed is through uh, you know basically religious teachings and and your your relationship with God and your understanding of your salvation with you know with God and through his son Jesus Christ. So I don't understand sometimes I don't get the the difference. I you know I know people talk about spirituality they go out and go camping and hiking and things like that they get in touch with their with their real selves again or they go to their yoga classes and and uh, do their meditation and things like that. Um but you know spirituality and and religion and religious upbringing and religious teachings has always been something that I've I've always been you know inherently connected together, and and I've always looked at it that way. So um, I don't get how you can be um, try to be spiritual and not go to church and not feeding your feeding the spirit is 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 what I'm talking about here and the way that you feed the spirit is through religious um, tenets and living commandments and and uh, sacrificing the things that you need to sacrifice and the things that God asks you to do is where um, that spirituality really grows to me I mean, and that's my opinion everybody else can have an opinion on it if they want but uh, that's my opinion so um I take the time to increase my spirituality um, each Sunday to go to church, and I, you know, I recommend and and admonish my children to do so and raise their children the same way, and um, and I, I hope that uh, we we start to see a change. You know, a few months ago, 
if you remember a lot of the social media posts in the newspapers and the radio, we're talking about these these groups, these <clears throat> these college kids who are going to these revivals, you know, and the one was like, I don't know, was like 10 days or something like that, where they were just kind of like going to this revival, and a lot of them were talking about, you know, the the um, what they what they were feeling and 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 how they were experiencing a change in their lives and looking at things uh, um, from a more important viewpoint. Um, and I and I said at the time, I wonder like what these what these uh, young adults are going to be. You know, six months from now, a year from now, whether they'll they'll keep that keep that revival uh, spirit alive in their lives. I, I hope they have. I hope they have. Um, I haven't I haven't heard any um, updates on uh, from any of these kids. Uh, I haven't heard of any more revivals. Um, I was excited to hear about it. Um, I believe we need that kind of um, that. Revision, you know, that kind of uplifting kind of uh, change in in our world and especially in our country right now. And I was excited to see that happening. And um, but the re- the revival is is great. It's just how do you follow up with it, right? What do you do? How much of a change does it really um, you know make in your life? And like I said, I ha- haven't heard anything. I haven't. They haven't done any, uh, you know, follow-ups with any of these kids, any, any of these college kids that that have participated in this revival. And I would like to hear. I'd like to hear, you know, what they've done to change their lives and to uh, bring God into their lives, bring religion into their lives, uh, increase their spirituality. So maybe at some point, you know, maybe we'll get somebody who will do a report or do a follow-up on on the revival uh, that took place a few few months ago, and and um, hopefully it's good news. I, I hope it is. Um, you know, we, um, I, um, you know, there's a lot in the news. I, I really don't kind of want to really kind of want to get into Biden or all, all this stuff right now. Um, although I did. Um, my um, my brother sent me an article that was uh, that was kind of an interesting read, and he um, hold on for a minute. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I had to go look up his uh, Facebook account because he uh, he attached the article. Um, this was published in well, just recently, August fourth of this year. Um, and this was a uh, the biographer is David Garrow. Um, um, he said he was infuriated that girl called his memoirs historical fiction, uh, and that's that's Obama. Uh, but the title of the article was Obama bi- uh, biographer says ex president as insecure as Trump would be a would be a terrible SCOTUS in stunning interview. Let me read a few. Let me read some of this. I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, um, his post actually. His his post was kind of interesting that he started. Uh, let me read that to you real quick. Um, I have always said that Obama stayed in D.C. to be a de facto head of the Democratic Party um, to run a third term, pulling Biden's strings to finish what he started in 2008, i.e. help destroy this nation's as-founded Marxist bastard. He lives in a large brick mansion in uh, Calorama, 
I don't know where that. I guess it's a suburb of D.C., I guess. I'm not sure where that is. And if I'm saying that right, I'm probably saying it wrong. Doesn't it strike you as weird that he is an ex-president, he's comparatively young, and he's living in the center of Washington, D.C.? The original excuse was that Sasha had to finish school. Um, Then you could say, well, the opposition to Trump needs a a figure uh, to rally around. But now Sasha has graduated from USC. Trump is gone. Joe Biden was elected and uh, present, uh, but he's still there. And he says that's really kind of weird. And doesn't doesn't that strike you as odd? I mean, I have heard from more than one source that there are regular meetings at the Obama's house uh, involving top figures in the current White House with Secret Service and cars outside. I don't write about it because it's not my lane, Samuels continued. Uh, there are over a thousand reporters in Washington, and yet there are zero stakeouts of Obama's mansion, if only uh, to tell us who is coming and going. But he is clearly has his oar in the water. And then the biographer uh, goes on uh, about his inse- about, about Obama's insecurities. As he much, he's a lot like Trump, basically. Uh, it was a sixteen thousand plus word interview with uh, President Barack Obama, um, <clears throat> and it raised a lot of eyebrows. Um, um, he talked about him being very, very insecure, um, pretty much as much as his rival Donald Trump. Um, the biographer kind of goes on and asks questions about Obama and Michelle. Uh, he goes into a little bit about um, Obama's uh, his own his own critique of his own uh, book that he wrote, um, and how it how it varies and, and differs from how he answered the questions in this biography. Um, it talks about you know um, Obama's desire to have like a homosexual uh, encounter with with men. Um, it goes talks about why the uh, Michelle and and Obama um, felt a need to be you know to hang around all the celebrities you know like Beyonce or Jay Z or these people. He says they were never like that before, um, but they had basically kind of like turned into those kinds of those kinds of people and uh they just kind of like lived for the opportunity to kind of hang around those uh and he asked you know which which uh you know which of the uh versions uh his own his version or the version that he was talking about in this interview uh which one is it was is better um um the feature began with a with a tale of Sheila Mayoshi, um, who who was um, Jager, who was Obama's girlfriend in the 1980s, well before his political career, allegedly saying their relationship ended when he would not condemn anti-Semitism. Uh, the tablet made it clear that Obama's version of the breakup was much different in his own book, as he indicated embracing black racial consciousness clashed with his white girlfriend. Um, and then he asked which is which version is true. The bridge between the two accounts is Obama's emerging attach, attachment to blackness, which required him to fall in love and marry a black woman. In Obama's account, his attachment to blackness is truthful and noble. In Jager's account, his claims are instrumental and selfish. He grants a, a particularism to the experience and suffering of his own tribe while denying it to others. 
um, David Samuels wrote in a preamble that it also was spotlight on Obama's hostility to American exceptionalism. Um, so it was. It's an interesting read. You ought to read it. It's um, um, it's by uh, the biographer David Garrow, G A R R O W, um, and it it paints a, it. It really does. It paints a different picture than what you might. Um, you you might already know about uh, Barack Obama, and you know when I and I and I listen to what's going on with you know with uh, the Biden investigation and the corruption that is day by day you were getting more and more and more of the stuff uh, you know like I've said you just give it a week and something else is going to pop up and uh, eventually something's going to pop up something's somebody's going to say something somebody's going to come forward. Uh, you know, that China doesn't like or Russia doesn't like or Ukraine doesn't like. And somebody's going to start, somebody's going to, somebody is going to start talking. Somebody that knows the ins and outs of this and it's going to, it's going to happen. And, um, you know, what bothers me is a lot of this, a lot of this was taking place uh, while Biden was vice president of the United States. Um, and in a couple of statements, especially when he was admitting that he had a, he played that role in, in getting the, I think the prosecutor fired in Ukraine, although the, the, the president of the country said that the prosecutor had done nothing wrong. Um, and it was all about uh, his investigation into Burisma. Um, and that's what, that's what it came about. And he bragged about getting him fired and, and, um, when he said that he, that you know if you don't if you don't fire him you're not you're not going to get the money, and the uh, Ukrainian official said, well you're not the president of the United States, and he kind of like in a very smart ass kind of way says, well you know go ahead and call him, you're not going to get the money, um, so that leads me to believe uh, not only do we have a you know very well somebody who is playing games and who is who is who is selling. To me, he's selling favors and he's and he's he's blackmailing these people for a billion dollars. He's you know black blackmailing um, Ukraine for a billion dollars in aid and loans. And Barack Obama knew about it because he had to know about it. He the 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 um, the political uh, the, I guess it was the president of the of Ukraine knew. Um, that that's why he, he he made the comment to Biden that he's not the president of the United States. The president had to know what Joe Biden was doing. The Joe, you know the president who was Obama at the time knew that the prosecutor wasn't doing anything illegal. He wasn't doing anything wrong, and yet they were still wanting him fired. And we still don't have a reason why he wanted him fired. Um, it, there was no corruption. The, the the government the Ukrainian government says there was no corruption. He was doing nothing wrong. Uh, the only thing that he was doing wrong was he was investigating Burisma, his son's uh, business partners, the company that his son was working for. But my point is, is that Obama had to had to know what was going on. And I think the more this, the more we get into this, the more we were go- we are going to eventually find that Obama knew a lot more about what's going on with this, um, you know, having access uh, to D.C. Uh, and that's the whole idea of it, selling favors, selling, selling influence. That's what, you know, 
that's what came out of the last um, uh, uh, interviews and the last investigation that took place on Capitol Hill. Um, that he was selling influence, that uh, Hunter was selling the Biden name. It was the brand that uh, that he was selling. And he could get his father on the telephone anytime, and he proved it, called him, and they would talk. Of course, they wouldn't talk about business or whatever. Think they're not, they're, I don't think that that's stupid, although, you know. Ukrainian government thought he was kind of a stupid, uh, Hunter was kind of a dumb person anyway, that his dog was smarter than Hunter. But anyway, um, they're, you know, then they're not going to talk about because that's not what the that's not what they were selling. They were selling the influence. They were selling that I can get my father on the on the line. And he can solve any problems that you have. And they were wanting influence in Washington D.C. And that's what they were. That's what those meetings were about. That's what they were selling. They were selling a brand. They were selling the Biden name. And you can't tell me that Barack Obama didn't know what was going on with his vice president. Uh, if he was doing this behind his back, shame on uh, shame on Obama. And I just don't think I don't think Obama is that stupid. Uh, he's a very smart man, uh, very articulate man, very educated man. And I don't think he's that stupid. So I, I just know just from that conversation, that's what I pull it out of that is that Obama knew why Biden was going over there and um, to, to get that prosecutor fired and uh, attorney general or whatever he was of Ukraine and to get him fired. And there was no other reason except that he was um, he wasn't corrupt. The only reason that he was fired is because he was he was investigating the corruption in Burisma. And they had David Archer, who is the uh, ex-business partner of Hunter's. Uh, in Ukraine, uh, testifying this this uh, this week um, on Capitol Hill, and he basically just kind of like laid things out um, um, how the the brand is what was being sold to uh, to Ukraine uh, that Hunter could at any time get his father on the line. Um, and that it was this constant idea of branding. Uh, and, you know, of course, we know through records and through ta- uh, through recordings and things like that, that's exactly what Hunter Biden did. Anytime that he wanted to get his father on the phone, he would call him, put the phone, you know, on the table, put the speaker on, and the father would, and then Joe would get on and, and, and you know, talk about superfluous stuff. But it wasn't about what he talked about. It wasn't about the weather. Or it wasn't about this or that. It was about... Is about Hunter and the influence that he had with his dad, who was the vice president at the time. And they were looking at somebody who could make and have influence in Washington D.C. And that's what they were. That's what they were selling. That's what they were. That's what they. That's their. That is their business. That is their brand, the Biden name, and that's what he was selling to these to these oligarchs. And that is proven um, in that David Archer um, interviews. Um, and it's, it's amazing to me, you know, that, um, you know, how much more evidence do you have and, and how much, what else do you have to have? Do you have to have what Joe Biden confess or something for the media to start acting like journalists? 
and in investigating these things and, and doing a deep dive into, into all these accusations and all these things. And the, all the only thing they're trying to do is just protect uh, the Biden name now. And they're not interested in finding out what the truth is. They're 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 interested in pointing the fingers at the Republicans, and you know wild goose chases that they have no proof. There's no there's no proof. David Archer didn't have any proof that he did this. But the proof is in the fact in the actions of Hunter and getting his father on the phone. That is what the proof is. That is the whole idea behind this. That they were selling influence. That this is the man that can make changes. That can make favorable changes. Uh, for you know Ukraine, China, Russia, whoever it doesn't matter. He has influence, and he's going to be able to use that influence um, when it came to their countries. Um, that's what came out of that that interview and that uh, that testimony uh, from David Archer. And like I said before, you just I can't believe that he is a vice president. He's traveling all over the world. He's he's going to the meeting with these oligarchs and. Barack Obama doesn't know what's going on. You cannot tell me that the President of the United States did not know what his VP was doing, that Joe was doing this behind his back. There's no way in this world uh, that you have to live in a fantasy land in order to really kind of believe that. And, um, you know, but they'll, they'll protect, but the media will try to protect Biden at all costs. And for God's sakes, they will protect Obama. Because he is a, you know, he is the next uh, prince of peace, basically, in the United States, um, and you know, now, now you see these these articles and these these uh, so-called journalists bringing up, you know, how you know how marvelous and miraculous uh, uh, Barack was, and you know, he didn't have all any of these scandals going on uh, during his presidency. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Fast and Furious, the IRS. Come on, just that's just two of them that I that I right off the top of my head that he was involved with, and and there was more. And you can't tell me. And and they're, and they're trying again, trying to paint this picture. Uh, Barack Obama was this uh, unwielding, you know, unwielding source of, of virtue and and goodness as the president of the United States, and he wasn't. And, um, you know, for them to make those kinds of, you know, not accusations, but those those kinds of statements is just is denying what really happened, what what history and they, all they're trying to do is just rewrite history, trying to rewrite the life of Barack Obama, much like the story, much like that biographer said, you know, he, he writes his own book. And then the biographer and these people have a different have a different take on his life. And they're completely different. And we see what Obama was like, and then we, you know, then we're shoved, that we have this other information shoved down our throats that's completely opposite of the nature and disposition of Obama. And we're supposed to believe the others. We're supposed to just completely ignore um, what we've seen and what we've heard and what we've, you know, participated in over the years and just believe that he was, you know, he was the next, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, I guess, you know, that kind of saved the world and save America, which he wasn't. Um, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I'm not, I'm going to continue to listen. I'm going to continue to gather information. Um, but the more and more this goes on, the more dealings uh, and more people that come forward. I'm just, hope, I'm just waiting for the, the huge bombshell to drop. Um, you know, one of these, uh, 
you have you have to you have to believe that one of these uh, oligarchs, one of these Burisma leaders, you know, these company owners have have Joe. Uh, by the cojones, they they have to have some kind of video. They have to have some kind of recordings of him doing certain things, and um, and um, it's going to come out, you know, as as they continue to dig deeper and deeper, and um, we'll see. I think what what we're going to see is how how corrupt this uh, Joe Biden is, and, and and how much this presidency isn't about Joe Biden, but it's more about Barack Obama. And um, you always wanted to run a third, you know, third um, term. He couldn't do that according to the Constitution, but I really believe that he is through his uh, through his Vice President Joe Biden. I really do. And uh, the more we see this stuff come out, the more I am convinced that that's the truth. Um, but we'll see. And I think the facts and the data are gonna are gonna prove prove me right. We'll 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 just wait and see. Um, hey. Um, Hope you guys have a wonderful Monday. Thanks for listening. Um, if you like my podcast, please uh, give me five stars. Share it with your friends. Uh, talk to your friends about me. Uh, you can watch any of my or listen to any of my podcasts on my on my website, uh, robscottpodcast.com. If you've got any comments, please get me at rob at robscottpodcast.com. Um, gee, uh, uh, thank you for, for listening. And uh, until uh, Thursday... I hope you have a good week.